Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Casey White and Vicki White are in custody. Upon his surrender, uh, he said, help my wife. She just shot herself. Not on our watch will you take away women's rights. Will you take away the right to choose? We need more money to make sure the United States can continue to send weapons directly to the front lines of freedom in Ukraine. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Tuesday. Got a good program lined up for you. Billy Strickland, who is running for uh, the United States Congress, will be with us in a little bit. He's running uh, for Butterfield's old seat. We'll be talking to him. If you haven't met Billy, he's got quite a story, which uh, we're looking forward to having him live in studio uh, interesting story out for you uh, North Carolina State fans. A movie about Jim Valvano is going to be produced. Ray and, Romano? Uh, yes. And I will say that Ray Romano looks a lot like Jim Valvano. Uh, two good Italians. Um, anyway, he is uh, going to be uh, producing it and uh, the starring role will be playing Jim Valvano. And apparently the Valvano family is uh, pretty excited about it. They're going to serve as executive producers, so... For you, uh, and Jim Valvano was a great guy. I mean, he was one of those coaches that you had to like, even if you didn't uh, root for the uh, uh, Wolfpack. It was sort of like he was sort of like a lefty Drizel of his of his era. Mm-hmm. Everybody loved Lefty, but uh, unlike yeah. unlike Jim, Lefty couldn't win the uh, big game. Uh, a quick sports movie story that I tried. My famous <clears throat> try to have a sports movie story. You tried to? No, I, I sent a letter. I don't know if I ever reached him or not. It was information I found on the Internet. But I sent a letter to Kevin Costner pitching a movie about Keith LeClaire. That's interesting because um, I actually pitched that same movie. I, in fact, I, I gave the two producers, they've, they've uh, done a, a bunch of uh, different films. Uh, they're actually out of Birmingham, so they, they do a lot of their work out of Birmingham and go to Hollywood. But the uh, uh, two brothers, and I, their names are slipping my mind, but I, I gave them uh, Bethany Bradshard's book on that. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I did. I mailed it. I, some contact I found on the Internet, mailed it, sent a letter, and didn't hear anything. Might uh, what, what are the names? I'm, uh, it'll, it'll occur to me that during this spot. I'll, I'll look it up and figure out who that was that did that, those films. Uh, Tom Tillis along with uh, about a dozen co-sponsors, has introduced a bill to defund the Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board. The bill forbids federal funds from being used to establish or support the activities of the Disinformation Governance Board. The only thing I can't figure out, though, according to um, the uh, H, uh, the uh, Security Secretary... Mayorkas? Mayorkas, yeah. thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Brain didn't k- kick in there. According to him, uh, they're not going to spend any money because they said he said, well, we're not going to have any operations. We're not going to have any power. So apparently they're not going to have any money either. <laughs> but uh, we'll see what that goes. Well, let's give credit to Tom Tillis because I called him out, uh, I think, last week when – you know, uh, he, we call him that by once a week. He was, he, he was silent to the whole disinformation board stuff. And by golly, Tom Tillis is all of a sudden acting Republican this week. So and he's not even give, running. Let's give him credit. <laughs> he's not even running. Yeah, he's uh, on board with uh, Tom Cotton, Marco Rubio, and uh, Rick Scott. So uh, we'll see where that goes. I think that will uh, that should get some traction. Uh, interesting story out about um, Madison Cawthorn, who continues to make the news. We talked about this 
uh, earlier, I guess was this early? Was it? I guess last week when the uh, video it's came out. It's almost every day for the last two <laughs> weeks. It's some el- some other stories out. Well, the, the video came out of him naked on a bed with a uh, another male, and it was supposed to be. Uh, I mean, what he happened? said, uh, "Well, that's what Madison's trying to explain." So anyway, but it's uh, make a long story short. It was a video that obviously did not present him in a good light. Now he said, "Oh, this is you know this is before I ran for Congress." Uh, you know, was he twenty six years old now? So he's pretty young. He's. I yeah, mean, how, how old could it have? How long ago could it have been? But anyway, he said, "Oh, you know that was just something stupid we did." And yes, you're right. It was was something stupid that you did. But uh, David Larson's written a uh, article it's talking about the fact that um, this could be considered revenge porn. Hmm. We'll see where that goes. Uh, and not not to get <laughs> yes you did Madison the um, speaking of Madison Cawthorn though he um, boy his drunk driving driving without a license revenge porn talking about uh, having being invited to orgies uh, what else has he done he's done a, f- a few other things according to recent polling from GoPack uh, he is dropping like a rock so back in March. Uh, in in the primary, he was uh, right. I, I think he was actually at one point at sixty two percent. In March, he was at forty nine percent. Then it went down to thirty eight percent in April. Uh, that is the most recent numbers we have. But considering that in thirty days he dropped by eleven percentage points, at that time Chuck Edwards was at twenty one percent. Michelle Woodhouse, Wendy uh, Navarez, and Rodney Honeycutt were all at five percent. But uh, if if he drops another eleven percent, and and the news hasn't gotten any better for him, I mean, I would think it probably did drop. If those numbers are going to Chuck Edwards, I think Chuck Edwards has got a pretty good shot at. And uh, what is it? Um, I think did Trump throw him off the Trump train? I mean, did he? Oh, I did not hear that. I, I think I heard he was going to reject his endorsement. I believe. Wow. I heard that this morning. But uh, I did not hear that. Yeah, Look that I, up. That's I, uh, that's interesting news. I, and. Uh, I mean, Donald doesn't want to have his record spoiled. I mean, he's fifty-five and zero right now. So you know, I, and I don't know, I don't know Madison Cawthorn. He's, he's a nice-looking guy. He says the right things, but I mean, we talked about it weeks ago. He's a young guy, and I just don't think Congressman. I, I mean, at twenty-five years old, I wouldn't have voted for me. <laughs> you know, yeah, no. and and not that I'm going to discount what twenty-five-year-olds says, but they just hadn't have enough life experiences yet to to be in Congress, in my opinion. He has, um, uh, well, he's he's young, inexperienced, and I'll also say he's he's cocky and not in a good way. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. cockiness can help you out. I I don't know that it's helped him out. The uh, Joe Biden decided to go to the mic this morning to uh, talk about inflation, which uh, you might have noticed. Is, uh, <laughs> I call that teleprompter gymnastics. Well, it is gymnastics for him. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, midterms, less than six months away. Baby formula is uh, running out. Gasoline is up. And uh, all-time high, both diesel and unleaded. And and, and by the way, apparently there's a shortage of diesel now, which is going to really help the supply supply chain. chain, Thank you. Um, So Joe goes to the uh, mic this morning and... uh, decides to uh, 
do a Clinton imitation. Remember, Clinton says, I feel your pain. Joe came out and said, uh, I can taste it. How bad is inflation? I can taste it. Which uh, is an interesting way to put it. So uh, even though he admits he can taste America's frustration, he wasn't willing to uh, take any blame for what's going on. Instead, he just sort of stumbled through something to do with strength. Anyway, here is, uh, I guess he went for about 20, 30 minutes, and we've uh, managed to whittle it down, the highlights, which there are not many. In fact, I don't know if there's any. Uh, Cut two, Clark. This is Joe Biden's uh, press conference, whittled down to about 80 seconds. I know you got to be frustrated. I know. I can taste it. I built a strong, we built a strong economy with a strong job market. But the number one threat is the strength, and that strength that we built is inflation. Do you believe that you and your administration bear some measure of responsibility for the inflation? First is we're in power. That's the first thing. And you justifiably right, we control all three branches of the government. Well, we don't really. Take any responsibility well, I, your policies? I think our policies help, not hurt. They've made their intentions perfectly clear. Senator Rick Scott, Wisconsin, a member of the Senate Republican leadership, laid it all out in a plan. It's the ultra mega agenda. They don't want to solve inflation by lowering your costs. They want to solve it by raising your taxes and lowering your income. I happen to think it's a good thing when American families have a little more money in their pockets at the end of the month. But the Republicans in Congress don't seem to think so. Their plan has actually made working families going to make working families poor. By the way, Rick Scott is uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, not, I mean, he's from Florida, not Wisconsin, as uh, Joe said. Um but Biden coming out and saying that Republicans want to raise taxes on Americans. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's a, talk about chutzpah. <laughs> all the presidential candidates back in 2020, all of them roundly criticized Trump as irresponsible for lowering taxes. I mean, they, they if there's a chance to raise a tax, the, the Democrats will run right to it. Never seen one they didn't like. Yeah. And yet he turns around and says that Republicans, I mean, is this how desperate they've gotten that that not only do they run from their, uh, their policies, but then they turn around and try to blame the policies on the Republicans. Well, you know, in the 2016 primary, uh, Joe Biden and all the other Democrats were asked the question about, will you raise taxes? And every one of them raised their hands. Yeah. Yeah, that's course, right. Yeah. Of course, you know, they'll talk about, well, they'll raise them on people not paying their fair share, which is ridiculous. You know, that's well, in their minds, nobody pays their fair no. share. And they constantly lie about it. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll come out and say, well, if you're earning less than X number of dollars, you won't pay a dime more. And then those poor suckers find out within less than 30 days how much more they're going to pay. So what are the Democrats going to run on? What are they going to run on? They, they can't run on the economy. They certainly can't run on the leadership in the White House, or for that matter, the leadership in Congress. Well, I, I think they will probably run on the lies of what you know Roe versus Wade, or or the you know the Supreme Court's opinion, um, what it what it does and does it do. I mean, just today, 
Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer says Americans will suffer and may die if Roe overturned. Yeah. And then Chuck Schumer today, just Chuckles. some of the outlandish stuff he was saying at the uh, Senate press conference. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just terrible. He he said today that the outrage against the Supreme Court is warranted. And who was leading the charge on the outrage against the Supreme Court a year ago? It yeah. was Chuckles the Clown Schumer. Well, in 2020, I got a quote in 2020 at a rally, abortion rally in 2020. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay yep. the price. Yep. You won't know what hits you if you forward of these awful decisions. Now, today, there was a story out that the DOJ actually might be looking to put life sentences on some of the insurrectionists from January the 6th. <laughs> what Lord. is the difference between what Chuckles the Clown Schumer said there mm -hmm. and anything that the, the, the worst of the worst of January 6th did? In, in the last... Uh, when did this happen? Last Tuesday or Wednesday, the, the Supreme Court Sp leak? The, the leak was Tuesday, I believe. Right? In the last week... I, I can count on at least 25 or more Democrats in high positions, including the Democrat leadership, that said way more things inflammatory against the Supreme Court than what Donald Trump said you know, on January 6th. Who is the man in Congress with the lowest IQ? I know that's uh, a hard one because there's so many to choose it's from. Got, it's got to be that guy that talked about, asked a question about uh, if we put more people on this particular island. Oh, yeah, he's pretty, yeah, yeah. The yeah, Johnson guy, yeah, was yeah. Johnson or something yeah, from, from Georgia? Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he might be. But yeah. coming in second, got to be Eric Swalwell. <laughs> <laughs> His tweet, this is not a drill. Republicans are coming for your contraceptions. They will slush you. They will hush you. They will tell you that, that that claim is ridiculous, except it's happening. Inconceivable! Oh. So, um, basically, everything that uh, you talked about yesterday, and we talked about Brown versus Board of Education, how stupid uh, Joy Behar is, put Eric right there. That's what You're right. That's what they're going to run on. They're going to, once again, it will be the fear tactics, except their fear tax tactics will be theory. The, 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 the bottom line is Americans are living with the reality of the Democrats. And, mm -hmm. and it, it, it's, not, it's not some ethereal idea out there that they're propagating. They're, they're living with this inflation. They're living with an economy that sucks. They're, and, and again, quite frankly, I, I just don't see it that, uh, that the – Roe versus Wade issue is going to have any effect on the uh, actual election. But by the time November gets here, it is so far away. I think there will be plenty of time for Republicans to actually explain to the people that don't understand what Roe is all about. They'll understand it. And once they understand, oh, OK, it's a state decision now instead of a federal decision I think they'll say, okay, it's no big deal. Well, the Republicans just need to be ready that this summer, I can see they're teeing this up because just this week they're talking about projected 100 million COVID cases in the fall. About this summer, they'll be talking about it's not safe to vote in person, and they'll go through the whole, whole vote, oh, yeah. vote by mail again. <laughs> I mean, I can see it coming already. COVID 2.0. Yep. Uh, I, I don't doubt it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to the 
the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all-powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is news and views for a Tuesday. 150 year, uh, 53 years ago, 153 years ago, 1869, America's first transcontinental railroad was finished. The final spike, the golden spike, was put in the ground at uh, Promontory Summit, Utah. If you want to read a good book about that, um, oh gosh, nothing like it in the world, written by um, mm. somebody. I'll think of it in a minute. <sighs> See, that's the problem. He wrote Wright the, Brothers. He wrote uh, David McCullough. David there McCullough. You, go. Uh, you actually remember. Very good book. The Irwin Brothers. They were the guys that made the films that I sent the uh, I'm copy. Sorry. I'm sorry, not David McCullough. <laughs> I think Stephen. <laughs> you got two senile old guys running this show. We can't remember I, I, anybody's I, name. I read a lot. Uh, and, you know, I have leather-bound books, you know, that kind of stuff. No. Let's get to the uh, weather forecast, Ste- shall Stephen, we? Stephen Ambrose, I okay. think, wrote it. Yeah. Whoever. Uh, take a look at your weather forecast. Mostly cloudy tonight, a low around 52. Tomorrow, clouds with a high of uh, 67. Thursday, showers early, then thunderstorms later. Sounds like a wonderful day, a high of 72. And uh, we keep saying that warm weather is here. It gets here. It slowly gets up to 80, then it fades back to 60 again. But either way, uh, warm or cool, it's a great uh, time to get out and play some golf this spring. Warmer weather is here. What a better way to enjoy the outdoors with family and friends than being greenside or poolside. uh, Voted best golf course in Greenville three years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club is waiving all initiation fees and wants you to join in the fun. Become a member today. Not a golfer. Ironwood's new social membership includes access to their competition-sized swimming pool, clay service tennis courts, and member-only full-service restaurant. For more information, contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252 Seven five two forty six fifty three. Billy Strickland is one of the eight congressional candidates running in the primary for U.S. House District One. That's the currently uh, occupied by retiring Congressman uh, Butterfield. Billy is in studio. Billy, welcome to News and Views. Good to have you with us. Good afternoon. It's good to be here. Thanks. Uh, I've heard bits and pieces of your life story. I will say this. If you don't make it in Congress, you ought to sell the rights to your story to Hollywood. It would make quite a movie. I mean that sincerely. I heard uh, bits and pieces of an uh, an interview you did with Henry a couple of weeks back. Uh, introduce yourself to our audience. Let us know your background, your life story, your family, and uh, why you felt uh, this call to run for Congress. Well, thank you. Um, and AMC had hell on wheels. <laughs> but a uh, little foul language. Uh, uh, yeah, well, you talk about interesting enough. You talk about writing uh, you know, a movie script or a book. I'm actually, I am writing a book. I'm in chapter 9, almost chapter 10. Been working on it for some time now, so hopefully I'll have that done in the next year or so. But anyway, so yes, my name is Billy Strickland. Um, and I was originally mostly raised in South Carolina, but I, I left home at 15 years old because I had a home that was worth leaving. And um, I hung out with some bikers, taught me how to work on Harley-Davidson's and do construction work to survive, and had a room with a buddy of mine from high school, um, rented a room in an apartment. And I finished high school, albeit with a 1.9 GPA. I did finish in time in 1992. 
while I was actually in high school, I joined the Army National Guard, South Carolina Guard, because I always wanted to go to college. I knew education was one way to get out of my station in life. And so I joined the Guard, and after high school, I was like, you know what, I never got to be a kid. So I started cowboying all over the country and then started riding bulls and bareback horses in the rodeo circuit. Now, um, i got to interrupt you. I mean, how do you – <laughs> How do you just all of a sudden deciding to go ride, ride a bull? So I have always I've broken horses. I, I broke horses since I was about 11 years old. It's one thing that I think is my one God-given talent. Um, and I just always enjoyed it and fearless. And when I was in AIT school in Fort Huachuca, Arizona, that was my advanced individual training for the Army. Um, I worked at the Buffalo Corral because, you know, I have to have several jobs to keep my brain entertained. And while I was there, I met a guy named Rusty Payne. And Rusty was a bull rider and a saddle bronc rider. And him and I got to... Like most cowboys, I can outride you, you can outride me kind of thing. And we started getting at it and, and just started riding with him. And he showed me the ropes. And I, I'm, I'm 18, 19, oh, I'm 18 years old at that time. Just really fell in love with it. Loved the rodeo lifestyle, the carefree lifestyle. And and at that time, I didn't think I was going to live past 21 anyway, so it didn't really matter. Uh, so started riding bulls all over this country and, and traveling with a couple of friends of mine. I, we, uh, I, was, I moved up to um, Franklin County to the little town of Wood right outside of Castalia and Worked for Body Nola up there and cowboyed on their, they had a cow-calf operation up there. Uh, I mean, when I was in North Carolina in Fayetteville at the Coliseum, I met my wife, Jennifer Smith. Um, she's a 10th generation farm girl from uh, Wayne County. Her daddy was a tobacco farmer and no, he was not happy to see her bring home a cowboy. <laughs> I won't tell you what he said the first time he met me. <laughs> uh, and so my wife, you know, started hanging out with me. We dated for a few years, ended up getting married. We've, we've been married 24 years come next week. And we have four teenage children. Uh, but I always, always, always wanted to be an attorney. Because um, when I was a kid, I always got taken advantage of all the time. And I just thought, you know what? If I can be the attorney, I can turn it around. So my wife supported me through Campbell undergrad. I actually went to community college. I went to Wayne Community College for a while to get my grades up. And then I got accepted to Campbell. Went to Campbell undergrad. Um, started a cable company. Was making good money doing that. But I got accepted to law school. And I always wanted That was my dream. And my wife said, there's no sense of giving up on your dream now. So she encouraged me. And so without two nickels in our pocket, we moved to the Great Dismal Swamp in Chesapeake, Virginia, and went to Regent University, which Correct. is the law school there. Um, and worked our jobs. And say again? Pat Robertson's Yeah, school. Pat Robertson's 700 Clubs. And, right. Christian. and that was the other thing is, is, is I tell people, my wife taught me what it was like to have a family and what it was like to have something that you can count on. Um, and she brought me to the Lord when I was 25 years old, hmm. uh, which is very, very important to me. And still is to this day, and I love her to death. Um, but you get me talking about, about my wife, I get emotional because it's, just it's like me and my grandkids. I, yeah. Um, but so my wife, she look, and I tell people all the time: if you find a woman that bets their entire life on you, you better not fail. And so I'm making sure I don't fail. Uh, so we, she supported me through law school, and we graduated law school. I worked for Frank Parrish in the, at Pasquotank County as the um, at the district attorney's office. So I, from one side of this place to the other, our district, I've worked. Um, and came back home and started my own, well, I uh, came back home and worked for the D's Law Firm and then got recruited to be the city attorney for Henderson. So I went to Vance County. We lived in Kittrell and was the city attorney up there. And um, we, at that time, my oldest son, I had my oldest son, my twins, and my daughter was born while we were there. So we had four children under the age of five. Well, wow. And mama said she wanted to go back home for some help. So we went back to Goldsboro, to Wayne County, and where all her family is, um, and started my own law firm. And I, I forgot to mention, you know, after I quit riding bulls for a living, I actually was farming with her dad. So I farmed tobacco, corn, soybeans, 
Um, you know, I've been to the market to sell my tobacco. I've turned tags back when we used to have an allotment system because, um, you know, I, I've done all of that. I, and it's been, it's been an interesting ride from cowboy to farmer to attorney. Um, and, and just we're at that station in our life now. We have several offices and, and a successful uh, portfolio and commercial property. And I'm looking around and I'm like, you know, why did I do all this? And why do I get in politics? It's because I want my children to have a, a home to come back to. They want to come back to. And I want my children and your children to have an eastern North Carolina to come back to. That's why I'm running. I, I don't need to go to Washington to be something. All right. I need, I, we need to go to Washington to do something. So this is your first time running for elected office? No, I actually ran for a Senate seat before as well back home in a primary. I primaried an incumbent. Okay, for the North Carolina Senate. State, yeah, yeah, state. yeah, state. This state is my Senate. first congressional race and first federal race. Have you been a lifelong Republican? Yes, I was a Republican, and I turned uh, 18, and uh, 1992 was my first election. I got to vote against Bill Clinton. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So we've got a lot of conservatives that listen to our program. We've actually got some liberals that listen in, too, just to, you know, they're the ones that want to find out what the other side is doing. But what does it mean to you to be a conservative what does that mean to walk the walk it doesn't mean just to talk the talk i mean you look at the field of eight candidates and and none of them that i can see they all talk about pro-life or second amendment stuff like that but then i say you know what judge a man by the fruit of his tree you can track me for the last 25 years with the gop in wayne county from door knocker to the chairman of the party you can track my nra membership from 1998 to current and life membership and what I fight in court. Um, you can track me with pro-life paperwork. I did a thesis paper in law school um, on, on, on life begins a conception and how the court got it wrong. Uh, and they're actually, not that they took it from me, but they're actually using some of my arguments in the current arguments to get some of this stuff overturned. I'm on the Wayne Pregnancy uh, Center's advisory board. So, I mean, I have track records. Of, of stuff that I do in my community where nobody else has that. So to me, a conservative is somebody that has the values, the Christian conservative values that we talk about, and the feet on those prayers, and the actions in the, in the walk the walk, not just the talk the talk. Because anybody can stand up and yell and say, I believe in X, Y, and Z, but actually don't have the, the, the proof of it. Oh, well, listen, even Democrats this time of year are conservative. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Billy, just zeroing in some of your priorities that you list on your website. I think all of us know, especially since COVID, law and order is a big issue. We've had crime rates nationwide has gone up. And, uh, you know, not to pick on any of your opponents in the primary, but uh, here just recently, this past weekend in Rocky Mount, uh, Sandy Robertson, where he's mayor, I think they actually issued a state of emergency for things going on in Rocky Mount. As a congressman, what can you do to assist towns like Rocky Mount and others in the 1st District to uh, – you know, to support our law enforcement and to support the crime, to help with the crime wave that's going on across America right now. So first, I mean, my heart goes out to, I think they said there's been 10 murders yeah. in, in, in just in the last few months. Um, and, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but to me, that is poor leadership, plain and simple. Um, and for somebody to, to run for a job, get the job, and within a year and a half say, I think I'll do something else because I can't solve the problems. I think that speaks volumes. Um, and, and that town needs some leadership. Um, and, and as far as to answer your question, so I want to dodge your question. So to answer your question, I, I'm a laissez-faire kind of government, and I darn sure don't want the federal government coming and poking their nose into my local politics or my local police departments or anything like that. So at this point, 
if it's required and necessary for the extra police protection, then yes, maybe, but I just don't think so. I think at the federal level what you do is you have infrastructure for our community. You have job opportunities. You have education opportunity um, to where everyone knows is when you have all that, crime rate goes down. When people aren't sitting home idly with nothing to do or no jobs or no prospects and no hope, that's where a lot of your crime comes from. On the federal level, that's how you can help there. On the, on the local level, the police department, the sheriff's department is what needs to get in there and work on this crime. And, and, and the town needs to elect somebody with some leadership skills to get it done. Because I can tell you what, folks, if you can't convince seven city council members to go in a direction to save their own citizens, how are you going to get half of 435 people in D.C. to go along with your ideas? You know, I think what you can do at the federal level is at least what G.K. Butterfield has not done, and that's not publicly come out and uh, be critical of all the anti-gun or, excuse me, anti-law enforcement issues that's been going on since COVID. I mean, the first district congressman has been silent, well, and one of the, so has the people on the Democrat side. And that's so. one of the biggest things that I've seen. So we're uh, my my office in particular, me individual, my family are big supporters of the police. Um, I mean, like we just sponsored, we're one of the largest sponsors of the the gay lay that you just had in Wayne County. We sponsor the sheriffs and the PDs and everything that they do, but it's the lack of respect. It's the lack of respect that the politicians try to push on people every day. And so when a police officer goes to try to help somebody, they're getting kicked, they're getting slack and, and talk back and people being aggressive and hyper aggressive towards them instead of being able to get their jobs done. I mean, that's sad. It's sad when I've talked to people in this district, especially in Nash County, they're firemen that wear bulletproof vests to go put out fires. That is ridiculous. And that is a total loss of respect, which I think, like you said, can be attributed to a lot of the politicians preaching that are you that's wrong are you for term limits oh absolutely but i'm for term limits but there's a caveat to that you have to put in a law that says you can't put anything in place that takes effect after you leave because that's what people do if i have a term limit coming up i'm going to get a bunch of guys that have term limits coming up and then say hey let's pass this so we benefit it once we get out of office you mentioned you'd be for a laissez-faire government there's a lot of Republicans out there that um, might say that, but they don't live it. <laughs> um, your lips to God's ears. What what frustrates you the most about your own party, your own Republican Party? Um, that one is they spend money sometimes as much as the Democrats do, mm-hmm. um, which does nothing but stifle our economy and our future generations. And two. When we are in the majority, we have a tendency to lead like we're in the minority. Same thing when the General (laughs) Assembly took charge, you know, several years ago. And I'm not – John Bell's a good friend of mine. Um, Matter of fact, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, Dan Forrest, the lieutenant governor, has endorsed me. John Bell, um, the House Majority, who's a great friend of Eastern North Carolina, has endorsed me. But – I used to yell at those guys. I was like, look, you need to get rid of all the bureaucrats because you come up with all the laws and push everything that we want, and then the bureaucrats that are entrenched Democrats are right. going to just stonewall you. And we've seen that in CAMA um, and, and a lot of the departments that we have to deal with. So we need to be able to lead as a majority. Yeah. And that's the two biggest things that aggravate me. Yeah. No, well said. I mean, you see it all the time where – uh, you, you see the Democrats basically just shoot the bird at at the law and at, at proper protocol, and the Republicans just sit there dumbfounded and don't know what to do. Uh, yeah, we need, we need uh, some strong leadership in that regard. Uh, getting back to your particular race, 
It's interesting. Uh, this North Carolina District 1 House race has made national news and I wouldn't say it's all flattering for some of the candidates. Uh, what's your What's your thoughts on uh, some of the folks running against you and the the national news that they're making in not a flattering way? So let me just say this: um, one is East North Carolina is my home. All right. Two is when Trump started telling the facts. What did the news media say? Oh, they're mudslinging. Oh, all that right. we were facts checking him and he's disinformation, but. Turns out he was right, and they're called yeah. facts, irrefutable facts. And there's a few facts in this district race that I want to mention to you. Fact is, is there has been some information about, and I always call them the Sandy Sisters, but there's been some information given out about one of my opponents, and that you can read in black and white that's court documents that are facts. From We've here. talked about Sandy mm-hmm. Smith's uh, record <clears throat> on the air just last week. Right. Yes. And so you have all that baggage, which uh, there's no way she can win a general election. But what bothers me the most is if you go to her Facebook and she's holding a frying pan in the kitchen making a joke about domestic violence and child abuse. I've read the file of the child abuse allegations in Lenore County where she sent her daughter to the hospital as a victim and a survivor of child abuse and domestic violence, severe child abuse and domestic I don't find anything funny about it mm. or laughable about it. And I think it is reprehensible that she can stand there and make jokes about it. Mm. Can you imagine no. if some guy was, in, was uh, allegations that he abused his wife and the next day he was talking about using a belt or frying pan? It would be outrage. So I just find it disgusting and deplorable. And as to the other Sandy, I mean, come on. I mean, he doesn't know if he wants to be a Republican or a Democrat. I mean, he supported Josh Stein in 2016 and 2018 to fight Donald Trump. Wow. Wow. And, and then he turns around, and even in the I Voter Guide, in his own, he supports Obamacare, but, but would not answer things about abortion or transgenders and just left them blank. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot of facts in here that you need, people need to pay attention to. And the, large, the, the most facts that people need to pay attention to is that I am the only Republican candidate that can win in North Carolina in this district in the fall. I am the only Republican that is able to debate any Democrat that they put up. I'm the only Republican that has a track record of over 20-some years of what I believe. I don't just stand up and say it. I actually believe it. And so, yes, the Democrats are going to have some baggage against me. They're going to be able to cite where I'm pro-life and have a litany of things to prove it. They're going to have a, all the baggage of, of my NRA membership and Second Amendment. They're going to have all the baggage of my support for the police. But I wear that as a badge of honor, and I'm proud of my track record. And I'm the, that's the facts that folks in this district need to pay attention to. Well, in that regard, um, it looks like Don Davis may be, I mean, with what the polls say, may be the Democrat uh, nominee in that primary. Um, can you beat Don Davis? Absolutely. And you know what's sad? Is, is, is I heard, see, it was my understanding I, I, that, that Mr. Davis has always been pro-life because he's a preacher and, and conservative in that viewpoint. And I heard that he wanted to codify Roe v. Wade, which mm. means turn it into law. And folks, right. let me tell you, Mr. Robertson is a go-along-to-get-along Republican. I don't know that he would vote against it, but I can guarantee you one thing. I would vote against it. Hmm. Um, but back to what you talk about with Don. Uh, I called him, and I said, Don, I said, you know, what's, what's the deal? Tell me it's not true. And he's like, well, it's a conversation for later on. I was like, no, I really want to know. Or would you really vote for that? He said, it's a conversation for later on, and maybe I don't get elected, and you don't even want to talk to me about it. I said, Don, I put more stock in you as a man than I do that position as a Congress member. I just want to know. And he wouldn't answer it. So 
I, I definitely. Uh, I believe I can uh, stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with Don and I can take him on, um, especially if, 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 if that's the way things are going to be. we got to take a timeout. Can you stay with us? Sure. Uh, let's go ahead and get one of those timeouts in, and we'll be right back with Billy Strickland. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. We're talking to Billy Strickland, who is running for Congress in the uh, Republican primary, which, by the way, uh, don't forget, Election Day is one week from today. So hard to believe it is here. And As early voting ends, what, Friday? Probably. Do you know, Billy? I believe it does. Okay. Can we get my, Billy's mic back up? Okay, thank you, sir. Thank you, Clark. Um, talking about a lot of different issues, I did want to ask you this before you uh, disappear on us. I mean, right now, it's, it's amazing to see the height from which America has fallen when Donald Trump was our, our president pre-COVID and uh, whether or not COVID was orchestrated or not. I, I don't think it was orchestrated, but boy, I think it was the Rahm Emanuel um, in, in action. Don't let a good crisis go to waste. And the Democrats really, uh, you know, they slam dunked that one. But but right now, and, and since, uh, since Joe Biden has taken over, it's just amazing to see how quickly they have uh, decimated this country. If there is a silver lining to it, and I'll put this in the form of a question, do you think the American patriot has awakened to the fact that if we don't get our collective fannies in gear, our liberties and freedoms might not be here for the next generation? Um, absolutely. I mean, sometimes you have to have a Jimmy Carter to get President Reagan. Bingo. I mean, <laughs> that, that's all it is to it. And, and so sometimes you have to have a kick in the teeth and, and to wake us up and go, wait a minute. Because the reality is the rest of us are just working. We're working like dogs, yeah. trying to survive, raise our families. And, and politics, while interesting to some of us, but not to most of us. But when it comes knocking on the front door, like I told you all earlier, my son drives an old 1987 Chevy and blew a transmission line. Him and I were on the side of the road fixing it the other day. And I had to go get transmission fluid. For five quarts of Dextron 6 for that old pickup truck was $55. Now, when you start spending that kind of money, and you start, like, what's causing all this? And it's called poor leadership. Same thing in Rocky Mountain. Why do you have all the crimes called poor leadership? That's all it is, plain and simple. Uh, well, speaking of leadership, when you get to Washington, what do you think about the Republican leadership in Congress right now? <clears throat> that's, <laughs> that's yet to be determined. Okay. Um, I mean, there's some folks up there that I think are, are, are fine leaders and some that need to be pulled more towards the right. Um, but uh, I'm going to rely on people like Richard Hudson uh, and David Rouser and some other friends that I have contacts with that are – good conservative Christian men to help steer me in that direction, but also make my own opinion, my own foreign opinion. I'm not going to be told what to do. Um, and, and I've never been told what to do. And so um, we'll see. McCarthy, I know, is wanting the leadership position, but but um, that's to be determined. We've got to run. Billy Strickland is uh, available at BillyStrickland.com. More information, or if you want to donate to his campaign. And uh, thanks for running. I, I say this to everybody. Even for those on the other side of the aisle, um, it is 
it I, I've done it, so I can say it. It's it's hard work, and uh, frankly, you make yourself and your family very vulnerable. Uh, you make a lot of friends, and you make a lot of enemies along the way. So, but let me just say thanks for running, regardless of the outcome. Thanks for well, doing this. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all's time, and I hope the listeners will will do the research. Uh, patriotic duty: do your research, and let's not elect another rhino to this. Let's not elect a rhino to this position that supports Josh Stein, but a real true conservative. Amen. Thank you, Billy Strickland. Thank you, Billy. BillyStrickland.com. Stay with us. Benny and I'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Interesting story in town hall. We only got a couple of minutes to talk about this, but uh, there is some speculation uh, that they know who the leaker is. Now, it's not absolute, but it is pretty interesting. They, they've connected the dots to one of the clerks by the name of Elizabeth Deutsche. And uh, a guy named Will Chamberlain has written some stuff up. She is just a lifelong proponent of abortion rights and women's right to have an abortion anytime, anywhere. She has uh, done work for a number of different judges that were all very, very pro-abortion. What's interesting is she married a guy and uh, who was is a journalist, and uh, her husband actually worked for a while at Politico. He's now with the Washington Post. But when he was at Politico, he used to share a byline with Josh Gerstein. Josh Gerstein is the guy that the draft was sent to at Politico. Ah, Connect the dots. Connect the dots. Uh, Nina Totenberg, though, from NPR said it was a conservative that release i'm not kidding you i and she's the same person that came out and said that uh, neil gorsuch and uh sotomayor um hated each other over the COVID issue anyway hey we gotta run we'll do it again tomorrow see you then bye-bye everybody all right all right